0: I'm Jeff Gibson
1: and I'm Shanna Paxton
0: and we are the, the movie, movie lovers, lovers. welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson review in every episode we start off with the weekend review what movies and TV shows either of us have been watching since the last episode move on to the main event which is a main topic of discussion or main review and then finish up with film faves our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, our main event will be, once again, a review, this time, of Kelly Reichardt's First Cow, which had a abbreviated release several months back, right before the pandemic, and now has finally been released on VOD. And then, film faves. Uh, We'll have its aftershock again following our journey backwards through time. This time, we're going to count down our favorite actors and actresses. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a fascinating discussion. But first, let's start off with a couple of questions, actually. Yes, corrections. I, once again, in a second consecutive episode i shanna made a mm-hmm. boo-boo this time i made a couple mistakes and i'm hoping i can remember them the first one is i had accidentally said that all that jazz and cabaret were by vincent Manelli. that's not true <laughs> they're actually by bob fossey who's also someone who's a blind spot of mine we we're talking about blind spots in this case vincent minnelli is a director of such things as oh i don't know let's see here he did meet me in saint louis he did father of the bride in 1950 bad and the beautiful lust for life Gigi he's so he is someone i've seen a lot of movies uh by i don't think you've seen most of those shanna have you
1: i don't think
0: so he did gene kelly's *An american in paris another one i've seen so he's not as much of a blind spot as i thought it really is definitely bob Fosse who i was thinking of when it came to cabaret and all that jazz and i feel like there was another boo-boo i made that i was like ah um <laughs> all i can remember is that i was talking about father P- and charlie and the the trilogy, when I was listening back, I couldn't remember the name of the trilogy, and I shouted out when editing, A Poo Trilogy! A Poo Trilogy! What? Um, so uh, I
1: do not remember this. Yeah,
0: it, it's a, it's an Indian trilogy that's a blind spot of mine, but Pada Panchali is one of the most recommended and talked about of these by Sajit Ray. Anyway, those are my boo-boos that I can recall from last episode. I just wanted to correct it for the record. Now, the weekend Review... Shanna, if I understand correctly, you really haven't watched much since the last episode, yeah?
1: Yeah, I have been watching a lot of toddler stuff, so sprinkled here and there. Just because you like
0: watching toddler stuff on your
1: own? Oh my gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Although sometimes if there's a new video on YouTube from a particular person, toddler and I follow, I kind of get a little excited about it. He incorporates different toys from different franchises and, you know, there was something that involved Scooby-Doo and I was like, oh, should I watch that now or wait for the toddler? Now or wait for the toddler? <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes it's exciting, but it's kind of hit or miss. You know, I try to expose him to a lot of PBS stuff. So right now we're doing Wild Kratts and that's always nice.
0: Nice. But, uh, but basically not really anything. Nothing since- for me. <laughs> very good. Okay, well, I actually have watched a couple movies while you've been at work. The first one I will talk about is from very early this year. It is a horror movie called The Lodge. It stars Riley Keough, who I know mostly from Logan Lucky by Steven Soderbergh. The, a movie I went to see alone, you did not get to see a couple years ago and I've seen her in a couple other things. Uh, this is a horror movie that essentially is about So there's a teenager and his little sister who are left alone in a lodge with this woman who their father is about to marry and he really wants them to have some time to get to know each other. So He leaves them alone for a couple days in this lodge. A couple days. He has a work thing that he has to do. Nope, nope, nope. And she's fine and she's trying and everything Mm -hmm. to get to to know them. At any rate, Mm -hmm. what this movie ends up being is one of those movies is about kind of descent into madness and how our past traumas can really, like... Stick with us and affect us today. Like they, if you if you don't deal with them, then they're going to affect you sooner or later.
1: They're gonna rear their ugly head.
0: That's a really good way of saying it. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: If you don't deal with it, it, it bad things will happen.
0: Yes. Jaden uh, Jaden Martell from *Night Is Out* also stars in this and Richard Armitage and uh, briefly Alicia Silverstone also star in it. Yeah, so this is a movie I've seen a lot of praise for and I thought it was fine it's of course a little unnerving not really sure what direction we're gonna go here I wasn't sure if there's a supernatural element I could see someone interpreting it as there being a supernatural element I really think it's more about just um trauma and and just this this mental state going downhill I was a little more temperate towards this movie than I've seen other people be I've seen people say like it's one of the best movies of the year I've seen people say that Riley Keo is extraordinary in it and Riley Keo is is definitely talented and, and she's solid and this is mostly her show in in a lot of ways and she's definitely up to the task but I just didn't I just I didn't love it uh overall this was not an instant classic in my mind i thought it was really good uh, by the way if you're not familiar riley keogh has also starred in mad max fury road and american honey uh as well as a film i saw called it comes at night i i just mm, it's okay it's fine it's solid it's not great it's not terrible it just um Is a matter of whether or not everything builds up to a satisfying whole, and I'm not sure that it necessarily sent me over the edge. I give that film probably a 7 out of 10 for what it does do. Don't feel like you're missing something if you haven't seen The Lodge, but it is worth catching up if you're um, a huge fan of horror for sure. I'm gathering this is a great year for horror, a lot of horror VOD. Has been coming out, and uh, I haven't caught up with all of them, but this is maybe a start. In that I'm direction. sorry,
1: but it's it's a good year for for realistic horror too. You know what makes you say that? Everything that's going on with COVID. Oh uh, and, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, reality yeah. being a horror show. Yeah, absolutely.
1: reality is a horror show right now.
0: Yeah, not a movie for we you though. Lodge, the lodge. Is there channel. a dog? I just gonna tell you that it's not a movie for you. So and leave it at that.
1: that. Could mean so much.
0: But it means most importantly it's not a movie for you. <laughs> so moving on.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, but I want to come back to the lodge. Not for myself, for you and your viewing experience. Was it? You said it didn't take you over the edge? Yeah. Does yeah, that yeah. mean it didn't frighten you? What do you mean by that?
0: Uh, you know when you watch a horror film and you're like, oh my god, that was amazing?
1: Oh, so like tell me what did did go over the edge for you?
0: like what movies yeah I like, like name like, one i don't know like get out okay um, it okay. follows okay. i don't know i i'm i'm, I'm so it just didn't
1: hit like top tier for you
0: yeah i don't know there wasn't it wasn't the whole didn't add up to that that absolutely satisfying whoa
1: okay got it we can move on
0: okay so the next movie i saw was one that's I don't know that it had a, a very big release here. It was one of those things where all of a sudden it was on Amazon, all of a sudden it was on Amazon Prime at the beginning of the year. Uh, but the trailer to it is like, whoa, that looks amazing! And it is called the Aeronauts, starring Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne. And this is a film that is essentially about like I think Victorian era uh, explorers. They, uh, Eddie Redmayne. You watch this? I did. Yeah, let me explain what it is. Eddie Redmayne plays a meteorologist-to-be, which is a new term at the time that this is taking place. 1860s, actually, apparently, uh, in the London era, area. And Felicity Jones plays a uh, hot air balloon pilot person that he hires to help him to be able to go as high as possible and learn what he can about weather because he thinks that it's entirely possible to study weather patterns and try to predict what the weather is going to be. Radical thought in the 1860s, as a matter of fact, something we take for granted today.
1: So let me help you. Uh, Someone who basically is the engineer of the hot air balloon the pilot that is what's called an aeronaut
0: oh okay 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 gotcha gotcha thanks for establishing that so this is one of those movies uh that i have one major issue with my major issue with this movie is that i did not get to see it in the theaters yeah, no, this thing is gorgeous, though. Like, the, the visuals in this, you can imagine, you know? Like, most of the movie takes place in the air. And so, like, you know, we're talking thousands of feet in the air. And, like, so the, the visuals are absolutely stunning. And it's the kind of thing that I wished I was able to see on a big screen. Um, but was not able to, obviously. Uh, so, I, that's a bummer. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 quite good felicity jones and any red reunited once again since the theory of everything they are of course really solid together there's a i I love the fact that this is not a, a love story this is about these people this is a story of survival this is about these people trying to accomplish this thing and it's extraordinary to me what happens in such a short amount of time because it like you have this time clock kind of checking in throughout the movie and it sounds like most of what happens in this movie like happens almost in real time in a sense it takes place in an hour hour and a half or whatever and so that's kind of fascinating to me i do think there's a couple issues with the movie first of all the name is lame it's not the kind of thing that really like grabs people or is it's like the aeronauts is it's a it's an odd word in the first place, you know? Well, now
1: you know what an aeronaut is.
0: Now I, now I do, so. but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's as catchy a, a name to really grab people's attention and, and get people interested like in the it first to place. To
1: be the meteorologists. No,
0: <laughs> no, I, I, don't know about that, but
1: <clears throat> the cloud explorers.
0: I don't know about that either, but um, I will say that don't be turned off by the the name. At all, like I, I just feel it's a lame name. But um, the bigger issue, actually, with the movie is its story structure. It, it does do a flashback sequence sort of thing, um, and I feel like it does that doesn't necessarily add anything to the story in in having it in that structure. I really feel like this would have benefited from being more in a linear fashion and leading up to the actual takeoff and everything and get us invested in the characters, where they came from and where they're going when they meet and stuff and get us um, excited and add a buildup to this journey that they're going on and then have, you know, the other half of the movie about this journey. I think that would have like, that structure would have been a lot more effective than this um, kind of, non-linear structure where it cuts to a bunch of flashbacks that kind of tells what happened before they are on this journey and stuff so that's my only real issue with the film i think it's otherwise really cool really solid uh and i i give that film a a seven out of ten if it wasn't for the story structure it would be a lot stronger But definitely, definitely worth checking out. And probably my favorite of the movies I'm talking about today. So, that's my week in review. Woo! Shanna, let's move into... Quite
1: a sprint for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shall we
1: talk about what we saw together?
0: Yes, why don't you start, what was our week in review?
1: So, after doing our episode last time about our blind spots, we really had a hankering to watch the documentary "Supersize Me. Mm-hmm. And so we did, immediately afterwards, with, I think, a bowl of popcorn. So we got to watch that, and that is about a man that is really taken with this particular lawsuit that occurred, where, like, a, a teenage girl and then, like, a child um, are suing... McDonald's because it made them obese and have health problems, and then McDonald's retorts with, "No, you can you can have a healthy diet from eating us, you know, our food." Eating
0: us, (laughs) eating our food, yes.
1: (laughs) From eating our food, Um, and and you'll be fine. And so this man, what is his name? Morgan Spurlock. So he decided to take them up on that. He sets up some. Uh, rules for himself if uh, you know well, what
0: what's the what's the endeavor first
1: oh yeah is to okay well is it true
0: uh-huh
1: can you live off mcdonald's uh-huh and and will you be okay yep uh or are you gonna is your health gonna suffer significantly
0: uh-huh and so how long does he do this
1: I, was it a month
0: it was one month he goes one month so
1: just one month three
0: course meal or three, three course meals, three <laughs> three meals a day
1: then you're definitely of McDonald's. be
0: okay. <laughs> right. Three meals a day, McDonald's, and you're saying he sets up rules for himself. What is that?
1: Yeah, so I remember, I recall one of the rules is if they ask, would you like to supersize that, he has to say yes.
0: Yes. Supersize, by the way, was something that did exist for a while, where you had your small, medium, large, and then you had supersize, and that was an extra bonus size, and uh, that wasn't necessarily given. But sometimes they would ask you if you want to do that. And so he set that parameter. If they ask, if they offer, I have to take it up.
1: And it was interesting because he went to a couple different states. And Texas was the state that asked him the most Mm -hmm. about supersizing.
0: Right. And what was unique about Texas?
1: I don't remember.
0: I do believe, if not Houston, then the entire state was the most obese uh, in the country.
1: At that time.
0: Yes, which is 2004.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is now. So I just want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what were the other rules? Like he had to he had to eat three meals. Yes, he had to have
0: um, each thing at least once on the entire menu.
1: Okay, yeah. So he did end up having a salad. He did end up having a yogurt parfait. I don't think that they had oatmeal at that time. Was there anything else that was part of the rules? Mm, Oh, and he would get checked by three different doctors. Yes. Of different disciplines. Yes. Uh, So he was going to see his normal, is it a GP, GD, General practitioner, yeah. Yeah. So he would see his GP and then he would see a nutritionalist and they would take the body, the percentages of fat. And bone and muscle.
0: They do their thing.
1: And then what was the third one?
0: Mm. Was it
1: a cardiologist or was there a fourth one?
0: No, no, no. There was three. I can't remember. Anyway, what did you think of the movie?
1: I loved it. It was difficult to watch at times. And something that's really interesting that we haven't mentioned yet is that this guy's girlfriend is a vegan. Yes. I think of a... she's a
0: vegan chef, to yes. be clear. She's not just Sorry. a vegan. She's a vegan yeah. chef professionally.
1: So she's really trying hard to perfect her recipes. So uh-huh. that was super interesting. And we got to hear a little bit from her and how hard it was for her to watch it. And, and we get to see all the body data of what mcdonald's food does to your body if you're having it every day three Mm -hmm. times a day so in fact he kind of proves the the mcdonald's lawyer's retort inaccurate
0: uh greatly not just by a, um you know it's not a close shave like he does things i i don't want i don't know if i want to spoil it but you know for those who haven't seen it because they're too young or whatever but
1: he also has to limit his steps, his activity, Oh, as a that's normal. A good, that's a good point. Like the average person of America, this is how much activity.
0: Yes, that's oh, right. And I
1: think it's a part of the nutritional information too.
0: He's, he does because he's a New Yorker and apparently New Yorkers tend to walk more than anybody else because they walk have to walk forever, everywhere to get to forever. everywhere. So he has to limit that in order to mimic the average American and what their average activity is. So that's a really good point, too. Uh, so but you this was one of your blind spots. You knocked it out. Uh, you happy you did.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we watched it. It kind of got us started on watching a couple other documentaries that are part of the food industry. And now I kind of want to show you other ones that I know about when mm. I started looking into paleo and started figuring out what was nutritionally good for me and what wasn't. Mm. So, I, I think it's going to start a little trend for us in our household. And our son watched it with us, and I think he enjoyed it too.
0: Yeah, it's and definitely. I don't
1: think he wants to eat McDonald's for a while.
0: It's definitely enjoyable. You know, it's one of those pop docs that really helped popularize documentary form for a while in the aughts. That and Bowling for Columbine uh, the year before is kind of a one two punch. So, very significant in a lot of different ways. Did it make you interested in watching the sequel that came out like 15 years later?
1: What is it called?
0: Oh, gosh. Well, Super Size Me 2. It's like something about the chicken.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I probably should watch that. I'm worried about how I'm going to feel afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, we saw, I think we watched the trailer, yep. and mm-hmm. that looked pretty interesting because isn't that when he makes a business plan
0: yep yep he decides to open up his own
1: yeah i'd be interested in watching that
0: all right so that's supersize me uh that's available on amazon if you're interested that was a blind spot that shannon knocked out maybe we'll do more of those over time okay so now that's all the end of the weekend review it's time to move on to the main event which is our review of kelly reichhardt's first cow What's your name? King Lou. You call me Cookie. My mother died when I was born, and then my father died. I never stopped moving.
1: It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start.
0: You have a cow. First cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. No, it's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. Good lord, give me another. I'll give you six ingots for
1: that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good.
0: Seems dangerous. So, is anything worth doing? Oil cow.
1: Until she barely produces a thing. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. And Soapy's one of those.
0: We got a window here, Cookie. History isn't here yet. It's coming, but maybe this time we can take it on our own terms. that was from the trailer to Kelly Reichardt's First Cow. So according to IMDB, First Cow is about a skilled cook who has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon, though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon, the two collaborate on a successful business. This film stars principally John Magaro and... Now listed right away, Orion Lee and also co starring Aaliyah Shawcat and Renee Abujanoa makes a, an appearance, and Toby Jones also co stars in this. So, when we review a movie, what we like to do first is focus on the good, what worked about a movie, what we liked about it, and before we move on to the bad, focusing on the negative, what sucked about a movie, what didn't work about a movie for us. What were its flaws? And then we finish up with spoilers and final thoughts after weighing whether or not the good outweighs the bad. Shanna, tell us a little bit about your thoughts and your history with Kelly Reichardt as a filmmaker, one of our biggest independent filmmakers right now in the truest of sense. She's not someone who has big budgets. She's not someone who gets paid big bucks. She makes these small, quiet movies. Tell us your history with her, what your thoughts are on her as a filmmaker, and what was good about First Cow.
1: So my only other experience with her, I believe, is Certain Woman. Mm. Is that
0: right? Yes, that is a movie that we reviewed when it eventually came out became available. It's on Criterion. I think, what, two years ago we reviewed it?
1: It's a really great film looking at the experience of being a woman and specifically how others interact with women so that's a great film it's a nice specific niched topic great performances i think she really brings out the best you know you say it's like small stories. It's fairly intimate stories. I I love that style that she has. Mm. She's very unique in that way. You say it's quiet. Yes, it's quiet. And I like that because it gives the actors and actresses opportunities to really, you know, it's one thing to deliver dialogue. But it's another thing to kind of fill the silence with the emotions and the facial expressions and body language that an actor or actress Uh, needs to be able to do to perform and make us believe the character and relate to the character, Mm -hmm. whether we have a personal connection to them or not. That's my experience with her. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with her?
0: Uh, I I will. I I wanted you to talk a little bit about your thoughts about her and, and the film, First Cow, what was good about it.
1: I freaking love this film. I think it's such a wonderful look speaking of intimate stories and niche I think that what's most beautiful about this film is the connection between these two men it looks pretty platonic to me but it's so loving and tender at the same time the way they talk to each other the way they struggle the way they're there for each other and always checking in Um, how they bring each other up and believe in each other and are also able to know the difference between what can work in the future and what can't and also listening to each other's dreams and hopes. There's a lot of dialogue happening in here, but you're right, Kelly Reichardt's style, it's very quiet dialogue, it's very calm and it's such a change of pace to see two men in, is a Pioneer days? Oregon Trail days? Like what? what
0: yeah, clearly. What's yeah. the thing?
1: <laughs> well, yeah,
0: absolutely. Because okay. it's not, Oregon is a territory at this point, but it's still a lot of unexplored land by white settlers, right? People yeah. are still migrating west. And, and uh, exploring and trying to find their own way.
1: And, you know, I haven't seen a lot, so I can't speak a lot about it. But I know that if you're traveling, if you're immigrants, if you're hoping for something better on the other side, I know that it's a struggle. I can relate to that concept. I know what's happening. And the reason I'm bringing that up is during this very difficult, uneasy time for a lot of people, uh, it's, it's really just a struggle to survive, to have enough food to eat or water to drink and not get killed by each other and other things, other mm-hmm. elements of nature. Yeah. You have this beautiful, quiet, tender, loving friendship. And I just absolutely love the concept of that film. There are other things that I love about this film, too. Like we get to see Native Americans and they're they're depicted in such a beautiful way that I, I found was really interesting. I don't know how to really describe it. We see them in different roles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some are questionable roles and uh, some are beautiful.
0: What do you mean by questionable? Well,
1: someone is a housekeeper. Uh-huh. Or house manager, or I don't yeah, yeah, know yeah. what the title yeah, would have been I, I, back yeah. then. But I get the sense that that person probably doesn't want to be doing that, but they're making the best of it. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it doesn't.
1: I don't know enough history to be able to speak about what the was the movie happening. doesn't
0: educate you about. No. It doesn't. It's not about the Native Americans. They are more or less. Uh, set dressing, right? They are part of the tapestry of, yeah. the, or the texture of this environment, right? And it does seem, though, that they are depicted authentically.
1: And that's what I liked because it made me keen and interested in okay, what movies are out there that depict Native Americans in an authentic um, manner? Mm-hmm. so uh, there's little things that are happening in this film that are making me curious about other things, mm. um, whether it's other movies featuring Native Americans or, okay, well, what else happened on the Oregon Trail? Okay, they're in Tillicum right now, so how did the Native Americans receive them or go against them? Mm. You know, So I have all these thoughts, and I'm also like, okay, so this is about the cow, the first cow in this region, so yeah. the first cow in the PNW, And how does that affect one person versus the rest of the community? And uh, what kind of dynamics does it create as a result of it finally being there? You know, we only get to see one cow be there. Yeah. You know, and it's also this, there's beautiful little things that get touched on. Like, okay, well, this is the first cow. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't have access to milk. They wouldn't have access to milk powder. Right. Any any luxury that we have right now is all thanks to these people that came before us. Yes. So a lot of appreciation comes from this film. I like, I could talk forever about this film. I want it to come on criterion and I want to go buy it. So, yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if it, it will be selected by criterion, but it is going to be on Blu-ray in the near future. Uh, so, Yeah, Kelly Riker. I believe I named her, if not the best female director working today, definitely one of the best in a feature that you can find on thegibsonreview.com. I'll see if I can remember to link it on the show notes here. I have seen, I haven't seen all of her films. Uh, She's made three short films essentially, and she's made seven feature films. I have seen all but two, I think, of those feature films. Her first film was River of Grass in 94, and then she really gained momentum in the 2000s with Old Joy, Wendy, and Lucy, and then the last decade. Meek's Cutoff is what I think one of the best movies of the decade. I was a little cool on Night Moves, and we were a little bit cool on the anthology film Certain Women. Actually, I don't know if you remember that, Shanna, but that was not necessarily a movie we loved. We appreciated elements of it, but I think overall there was some things that we didn't like as much as others. And it's not one of my favorites of Reichardt's films, but I do think First Cow is one of her most interesting and best films it is a movie that requires patience right much like meek's cutoff it takes you kind of back to that time the pace of that time the feel of that time Mm -hmm. you know the textures of that time
1: and if you're anticipating that rhythm i think you could really enjoy this film and learn a lot from
0: it yes it is not a stereotypical western with a with any sort of action pacing per se. This is much more grounded in the reality of people trying to actually get their new start. You know, they went and traveled a very long distance and a long period of time to get to where they are now. And it's about them doing what they have to in this moment to be able to live the rest of their lives the way they want to live the rest of their lives, you know, start this new life of theirs. So I think that's important to understand. Cause I know that like, like the casual viewers that have come across this, it's gotten a little bit of criticism uh, for being really slow. And that's definitely the case with Meek's cutoff too. But I think you're right on a lot of what you're saying. This is, mm-hmm. there is so much to appreciate in this, especially the two leads are really solid and they have an interesting chemistry you know it never never even enters like i feel like a lesser movie would say oh because there's a connection here between two people there has to be a sexual element and this movie never even considers that it's not even on the same like planet as what other movies might do, mm-hmm. right? It's just mm-hmm. these two people who get along, uh, despite their differences, because one is Chinese, he's from Canton. And another is from, what did he say, Maryland,
1: I think? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, thanks to the the, the Chinese, King Lu being able to speak English so well and so fluently through all of his life experiences, they're able to get along and have this friendship, and they build a business partnership. I won't get into any more details because the, the trailer is very vague.
1: I feel like, you know, you've said that, despite their differences i don't feel like they have many differences i feel like they're on the same wavelength with each other i think appearance wise and you know intolerance of the time would have made yes their differences maybe difficult but yes. but i think as characters i think they were on the same wavelength
0: I think that's why they get along so well, but you know they literally are from com- two completely different experiences on the other side mm. of the world, right?
1: Okay, yeah, so, I see so, what you're saying. You
0: know, and, and not to mention races and everything. Like, and and being historically accurate here, I'm actually a little surprised um, that the movie didn't lean a little bit more into the historical accuracy of how a Chinese man would have been actually treated and, and looked down oh, upon yeah, in that time, right? But that aside, this is a really interesting relationship, and Qin Lu's a really fucking smart dude. Like, I won't go into detail, but he's a really fucking smart dude, and he's an interesting character. And how often do we get to see a Chinese person depicted in this way, especially in a historical film?
1: To even feed into that more, when Cookie is frustrated and just yearning to make a particular recipe, Qin Lu figures it out for him Mm. and helps him Mm. you know it's it's really great Mm. just so much strength in that character definitely one of my you know the two of them are definitely new favorite characters for me
0: yeah and by the way Ian brenmer from wonder woman you're excited to see him he's in this movie as well he has a small part small part he maybe has what 10 minutes of screen time in total yeah here to put it consecutively all right so let's move into the bad then what didn't work for you uh in this movie what could have been better what was was the bad
1: do you have bad that immediately comes to mind
0: i'm not going to so far i'm not going to go so far as to say that this movie is flawless you know i'm film spotting one of the first movie podcasts they named this as the best film of the year and you know, we watched and reviewed. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Which, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that episode and our review, and then go and watch the movie if you haven't already. That movie, I feel like, also a, a very quiet, small, independent film, too. By the way, I feel like that had so much in it that really is kind of monumental in its own way, and I, I feel like that's a t- tough movie to to beat for that title. I'm not sure that this movie has the elements to really set me over and say it's better than that or is the best movie of the year. But yeah, it. I mean, we've had a pretty odd fucking year and, and it's you know, not a lot to draw from per se, but it is definitely one of the best movies of the year. So I don't have a whole lot of issues with it. I do think like I, I did expect a little bit more racism. Like this movie is so like wrapped in warmth, in a large large way. Like it's such a blanket of warmth and uh, kindness, you know.
1: Makes you believe in the good of humanity throughout history.
0: Sure, I I was just a little surprised, especially since it's so grounded at the same time in reality, that there wasn't more of that element of reality uh, to it. But you know, it's not. It's not a major thing. It's just something that kind of strikes me about it. How about for you?
1: I understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, I think about like what you said. There there are a lot of Westerns out there. This isn't your typical Western film. This is something special, Mm. something unique. Mm. There are so many. I hate Western films. I hate them so much. Because there's always so much rape and violence and, and racism and kill the Native Americans and kill that person and kill that person. And, oh, here comes the Brit. And the Brit is going to be the one to win. You know? And it's the just... The Brit's
0: going to... What are you watching?
1: I don't know. Okay? That's just... There's so much... And so, not to say that they're all bad. I mean, we have something... I think of it like this. We have something like The Revenant, Right? Where it's the most extreme experience and survival Uh of this time. Okay. And it's just so unforgiving and so traumatic.
0: It's fairly unrelenting. You know, yeah. Okay.
1: And then you have a nice little break Uh, and you have this film. uh And I I hear that you say like, you know, you wish there was more evidence of the racism that was occurring at that time. But we have so much that deals with that already. And I'm okay having a gentle blanket of warmth. I think that if you're looking very closely at facial expressions, little body language movements, you're going to see the racism there. And you're going to see the the looking down on people. If you're looking. There's, there's a scene where... Is it a captain that's in charge of a barracks? Like, what is...
0: uh, I feel like they call him a chief or something. Uh, Do they call him captain or do they call him chief?
1: It must be, like, a captain or something because there's actually a Native American chief that's there, too. Uh So, you know, you've got your Brit captain and Uh someone high up comes and visits. You know, we've seen these guys starve Mm -hmm. on their journey. And then this guy comes and says... I will eat anything you Native Americans tell me I should eat. I need a break from salmon because I'm sick to death of it. And right there, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we have pompousness and privilege being represented. So I feel like things are being represented. It's just really subtle. And then there's a moment where Kin Lu speaks about something significant in front of all these people. And they don't acknowledge anything he said. The the white people are very shocked that he spoke at all, and and move on with life. So I feel You're like right. there is stuff there. You're it's right. just very subtle.
0: I, I do give you that general point. You're and, abso- absolutely right. And to point before you continue to clarify, Toby Jones plays Chief Factor. Scott Shepherd uh, plays a captain visiting, and okay. Lily Gladstone plays Chief Factor's wife. Who it doesn't spell it out, but it, you get the impression that he married a Native American who can translate and navigate the trading and such with the uh, uh, Native Americans. Oh,
1: I did get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think aren't aren't the things that I'm talking about, aren't these microaggressions?
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't want to get into a huge discussion about that. Well, the reason
1: I'm mentioning it is because, well, maybe it's good for us to see... What the little pieces of racism look like rather than yeah. the completely overbearing, obvious ones.
0: No, you're right. And you know it is Reichardt's style to be more subtle and not overt and overbearing and on the nose. So I give you that. You're, you're okay, right cool. about that.
1: Well, I'm glad I defended it. I, I can't think of anything that I don't like about this film. There's something I don't like in the beginning, you know, which I don't know if we can talk about that.
0: The, the beginning? We could talk about the beginning. Our guideline is the first 20 minutes is fair game. Beyond that, no.
1: Well, there's a scene where a woman comes across a skull because of her dog sniffing it out.
0: Yep. What do you make of that, by the way? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to talk about that in spoilers? Do you think that's more spoilers? Oh, discussion? okay, let's
1: talk about it in spoilers. We'll move on then.
0: Because I don't have a whole lot to talk about in spoilers. Okay. I don't know about you, but we could talk about that. Uh, have a small spoiler section. So, you think the good definitely outweighs the bad in some way Yeah,
1: action. I think that you could show this to high schoolers, middle schoolers. I mm-hmm. think it's a safe viewing. Mm-hmm. Everybody could have a really interesting discussion about it.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, as I intimated before, there's not a lot bad about this movie. It's a really interesting film. I think it's one of Reichardt's best films. And definitely one of the best films of the year. So I give the film an eight out of ten. How about you?
1: Oh, I would go with a nine.
0: Oh, very good! Wow, yeah. excellent. So if you go, ha-
1: Kelly, woohoo!
0: If you haven't seen First Cow, uh, you will be able to find it on Amazon to rent now, uh, as well as buy if you so desire. If you have seen the film. Go ahead and join us for the spoiler section. We're about to have a little bit of a discussion for a few minutes on Kelly Reichardt's First Cow. If you haven't, join us for film faves in a few minutes. Okay, Shanna, so what did you want to talk about in spoilers?
1: Our film starts with a woman and her dog walking along. Is it like a delta? It's like a beach. Okay. Um her dog gets her attention and she finds this skull and she starts slowly digging away. Mm -hmm. And I think, Oh, well maybe she's just making sure it's a skull, but then she keeps going and we go a little forward and she's revealed two bodies, two entire skeletons, Skeletons. clean skeletons in this, in this area. Mm -hmm. And I just like, (laughs) I couldn't remember which movie we were watching. So in my mind, I was like, oh no, oh no. And I've been watching the show Bones lately that talks about don't touch the remains. If right. you find remains, don't touch it. Don't touch the surrounding area. Call people because you don't know what it is. And in this case, because I forgot what we were watching, we then go back in time mm-hmm. all of a right sudden. Away. Yep. yeah and we realized that oh we're gonna see our two characters die probably because Mm. this is what happens right and problem i had with that was the fact that this person didn't call anyone or phone anyone or stop doing what she was doing you know there would be a lot of implications and risks involved
0: yeah I was going through those same thoughts and processes and and feelings in the moment. In hindsight, I think, okay, well, the movie's not about that. The movie just needed that visual of two bodies lying together.
1: Yeah, and it had to be dug away. Mm -hmm. I get that. And we don't know, maybe this person is an anthropologist, but if, it, if this person was an anthropologist, it would go differently.
0: There is no way so. anything she was communicating was, that, was what uh, she was there for. Anyway. And, and by the way, that's Aaliyah Shawkat. Who plays yeah, I liked seeing
1: her. Yeah. I just didn't like what she was doing. Yeah. So, you know, from a, a realistic perspective, didn't like it. From a story perspective, yeah, okay, I get where you're coming from.
0: So what did you make of that beginning and how it tied to the end?
1: I like having that kind of, I guess, a bookend. Like, I like to know that, okay, once our characters get into this kind of position, we know that it's the end for them (laughs) and we, we know it's over. So I can relax during the rest of the movie, you know, and not stress about them too much. So I kind of like that style sometimes. So for this movie, I liked it. And what ends up happening in this film is they get caught stealing milk. It's figured Mm, out. Uh, People are after them. And by people, I mean not just chief and house captain. manager yeah. and captain and guy from wonder woman it's not just the four of them there's someone else that was kind of wronged subtly you know he was trying to buy one of the cakes and someone pushed in front of him and the two of them didn't do anything our two heroes didn't do sure, anything about sure, it sure. so i'm sure he feels right like you can tell like he feels wronged by a lot of things and feels shy and feels like he has to prove himself mm. and stand up for something to to get respect and uh, we see him following the two of our, our two heroes trying to escape, but uh, Cookie has a pretty bad concussion. And I don't know how they cured. I don't know if the concussions were even curable back then, but I think a lot of people died from concussions, and so he's fading pretty quickly. And eventually, you know, he he can't go anymore. He needs to lie down. And King Lu, you know he's trying to get them away from there he's trying to keep them safe yeah and and is like okay we're just gonna rest for a little bit because obviously my friend needs this uh-huh. and he lays his head down too and what's interesting is you know you can tell from experience that cookie died of the concussion but you're not really sure what happened um
0: right with keenly yes. with Liu. yeah
1: so you know it's you can fill in the gaps yourself it's probably not from his fall because he would have battled more his fall from the tree
0: who's he oh you're talking about keen lu falling from the tree earlier yeah
1: so i don't think he was affected as heavily Hmm. the cold water probably helped whatever happened to him when he was swimming away Hmm. so i assume that he was shot uh, probably in the stomach or something.
0: But to what end? Like, if that was the case, I was just thinking about that. Like, if someone were to go out of their way to, oh, you know, they hunted him down, they're, going, they're not going to leave the remains there.
1: I think it's entirely possible that they would. I mean, it seems like because... a time where if you did something like kill someone, you were going to have to move very quickly, and they were close to a port, and they had a bag of money slash trinkets slash tradables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we see the remains in the beginning, we don't see any evidence of clothing, buttons, anything that would tell us the time that they're from. Hmm. You know? So we don't even see the bag. Yeah. But would we even?
0: You, so you think they were stripped of clothes. You you don't No, 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 have... no.
1: I, I think that it's it's highly unlike given that they're covered in straight up soil yeah you know i don't think that anything really would have survived you might have seen the silver coins but the fibers wouldn't have lost it hmm. you know okay. everything would have decomposed okay. so because we don't see under kin lu's skull we don't know if the coins are still there we don't know if that guy that was going after them took those coins and then headed to the port you know to make a better life
0: yeah i don't know so it's up
1: for interpretation
0: all right do you think it's intended to be up and for interpretation
1: i think so i don't Uh, think we necessarily need to know how king lu died he died with his friend obviously
0: i don't know I, i feel like we're invested in them and the entire time because of how the film starts We're thinking, oh, okay, so like they're never going to be able to fill fulfill these dreams that they're talking about going to San Francisco and all that because we already know that they that they
1: don't even leave P and W right.
0: So it does give you a sense of dread of where the story is essentially uh, eventually going. Uh, So because of that, it would be nice to kind of have a better understanding of what happened to both characters
1: i see where you're coming from but again i think it comes back to this whole this is your break from other westerns you don't need to see the violence all the time
0: yeah i I don't know the more i talk about it the less i'm certain i'm satisfied by the Mm -hmm. end actually but you know i
1: really do fill in the gaps of that that guy went shot them
0: But you said that guy would be someone who would need to prove himself, or I guess I feel like he has to prove himself. So if that was the case, then he would likely need to prove that he shot these people who was stealing.
1: Well, why would someone need to prove themselves if they have a whole bag to start a new life in a port down the hill?
0: Hmm that's what you think is that's what i think happened the more
1: i think about it i'm like this is probably what happened given the pattern of other men that we've seen Mm -hmm. and come across in the movie this is probably what happened
0: all right okay anything else you want to talk about
1: no i i think that's it
0: uh same here so what did you think of first cow what did you think of the the beginning and the end actually Let us know what your thoughts are. Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Now, we're on to the part I've really been looking forward to. Film Faves. So, for those who aren't familiar, Film Faves is where we count down our 12 respective lists of our favorite movies around a particular topic. The idea behind it is to kind of give you a taste of or an idea of what our tastes are, but also hopefully expose you to things that you haven't heard of before that you can check out based on our recommendations being favorites of ours. Often what we have been doing the past three years is going year by year backwards through time. It kind of evolved into decade by decade. And we just recently finished a couple episodes back uh, with our journey backwards through time. So we have these aftershock episodes where we're talking about things related. Last episode, we talked about our favorite discoveries of this whole journey. Now, today, we're going to talk about our favorite actors and actresses of all time. This was quite an interesting journey for me. Very difficult. One of the most difficult lists I have ever made for this podcast. And for the website in general, probably. For me, now, Shannon, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in hearing what your process is. I'm sure it's like completely opposite of mine, uh, in some ways. But for me, what I had to do was I went through every single list we made of favorite movies and tried to draw from. Okay, who who showed up the most? In, oh, that's in a those good lists, way to do it, right? Yeah, because if they're often. In movies that are like favorites Mm -hmm. then surely they must be favorite actors right then i kind of was like i narrowed it down did some quantifying some math and um basically tried figuring out what the order of this this would be in total i took into consideration over 120 actors and actresses for this list and had to boil it down to six of each okay
1: you went to 120 i think i went to 12 (laughs) and then went from there wow
0: 12 of 12 actors 12 actresses is what you're saying yeah like
1: you know who do i just absolutely love and then okay who who can i not live without in those particular movies
0: see I was so obsessed with not forgetting anyone mm. <laughs> that I went like to the opposite end of the spectrum than you and it took me a couple weeks to uh, chip away and formulate this as best as possible and you know as a result there was a lot of surprises that came about things people ended up on the list that I did not expect people oh. I would have expected be on the list did not quite make it. There's a lot of people I have a lot of fondness for that just did not have as many favorite movies in their career as I might have thought, Mm -hmm. you know. And, And so, you know, it actually inspired me. What I might do in the near future is make a feature on the website that's like 50 favorite actors, 50 favorite actresses of all time or something, you know, that takes this process and this ranking and... And, you know, tries to post much more extensive than what we're going to get here in this segment, you know, mm-hmm. because there's just such a laborious and difficult process to try to narrow down for me that I feel bad about some of the people that didn't make my list, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm surprised by some of the people that didn't make my list. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, tell me more about your process
1: well i mean it's it's not as in intense yes that's the word uh it's not as intense as yours unfortunately but that's okay because i'm still figuring out my actresses and actors and there's certain ones that do you need more time stop it (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing it's like new love you know it's I'm figuring it out. I'm still learning about all the others that are out there, all the other fish in the sea, Mm. but I know which twelve six I love, you know, Mm. that I can't live without uh, without. So how I looked at it was I looked at my favorite movies, and I was like, what really tickles me with joy in those movies? Which character? Which actress? Which actor? And if they weren't in there, would I still be tickled mm, you know okay. would i still be joyous how
0: important is their presence in those movies yeah
1: and mm-hmm. sometimes look i mean i'm looking at my list and uh, there's like so, some of these actresses and actors have big parts and some of them have little parts mm. and i can't imagine it without them mm. you know
0: interesting Very interesting. One thing that that you bring to mind that I really needed to take into consideration that I realized is when I was first creating a list, I found that there were more movies that that I had seen or were favorites of mine of more modern actors, you know, 80s, 90s, and so forth, than of older age actors, right? And that kind of was the product of, well, I grew up in these time periods so Mm. i consumed more of their movies as they came out whereas like Anybody before these time periods, I had to go back and check out their highlights, and ultimately I end up just seeing their highlights rather than their entire hundred or eighty-seven movie career or whatever it is, you know. So as a result, I did find, mm. in order to create some sort of balance and not completely shut out people from the golden age, especially, uh, I needed to weigh put more mathematical weight, if you will, on their you know, favorites. You I know? like
1: I like your formula. Um, I feel very confident and certain about my actress list. Good. And actresses, it's kind of like, it's just it's who I want more of, you know. It's whose movies I want to own. Like if I and, and if I think about my favorites, favorite films from the '80s and '90s, like I, I love Ghostbusters is probably my favorite film. But you're not going to see any of those actors or actresses on this list.
0: Fascinating, you know. So
1: I guess I'm going at it really differently. I'm kind of going in it with fresh eyes, and um, this is my first draft kind of thing and and then a year from now the list might be different and a decade from now it's going to be completely different you know because i'll be exposed to other things and i like your method but i also get like who am i in love with like who did i Mm -hmm. fall in love with Mm -hmm. you know there's a difference between falling in love with an actual movie like ghostbusters and then falling in love with an actress or actor Mm -hmm. and the movie's just there for them yeah but i see them yeah you know and that's that's kind of where i'm coming from with this is i see them and i would have liked to have spent time with them or photographed them mm. or or whatever it's kind of where i'm coming from
0: this makes me so excited um, well,
1: I, hope, I hope you're not disappointed I'm, with I'm, who i chose i'm
0: just super i, I just <laughs> yeah i think it's so fascinating and so cool and, I'm and, glad what, we talked and about it's it. so interesting that you talk about how it to you it's kind of an evolving thing to me The list is absolute. The list is complete.
1: (laughs) It's just going to be new talents that will affect it. The list list is good. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So let's get... like a tiger. Let's let's get into
0: it. Why don't you start off? We're going to do actors first, and then we'll talk about our actresses. So start off with your sixth favorite actor of all time.
1: So my sixth favorite actor of all time currently is Denzel Washington. I can't imagine life without this man. I look at this man and I, I look at the movies that I absolutely love him in that I, I can't imagine anyone else having that role. I, I look at Inside Man, even Man on Fire. I look at Hurricane, I, I, The Bone Collector, like even like the not well-reviewed stuff versus the well-reviewed stuff, I don't care. I don't care. This man can go and do anything and I will want to see him. All right. You know, that's so that's what I'm talking about. Like, oh, I fell in love with him. You know, dude, I'll I'll watch you and whatever. I love him in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one. Really fine film. Malcolm X. You know, I just this is an actor and I'm probably going to feel this way about my whole list, but he has such a presence you you could see him in the background and you'd find him you know <laughs> yeah. like he's a bright light that just shines well
0: he in a lot of ways was the more interesting part in cry freedom and he's only in like a half an hour yeah. of cry freedom which is a two and a half hour and movie, this is right? what
1: is so special to mm-hmm. me about these actors and actresses is like you i could have 10 seconds with them in a film and i'll be like oh my god i'm so glad you were there thank you for coming over for the play date i'm so happy you know that so
0: <laughs> the <play dates>.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of play time i loved him in fences like
0: mm-hmm.
1: the book of eli i loved him in that mm-hmm. like i yeah. could love anything this guy does safe right. house safe house was good you know not a great movie but right. he is good right you now
0: yeah yeah. No, I hear you. You know, it's interesting you, you phrase things like that because another thing, there's so many things I try to remember to bring up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really wanted to put out there as a caveat for me is that these 12 people I'm going to talk about, I don't want, I want to make clear, like, in no way do am I an, an, an acolyte for any of these people. I don't, for me, I don't think that it's not like they can do any wrong. It's not like every single movie of theirs I love. I think all of them have been in something shitty and that I don't like. But on the whole, like, you know, we weigh when we talk about film, does the good outweigh the bad? Like on the whole, like there's more favorites, you know, and they have the most favorites. They're the ones I enjoyed the most. And that's kind of how I look at it. You know, it's not that I can defend every single choice they've ever made as an actor or actress. I, I will totally acknowledge um, I don't know Sean Connery maybe Highlander wasn't the best movie whatever it is you know Yeah, yeah. I love that movie that's a bad example but you know maybe Zardoz but you would
1: defend the actor or actress right?
0: well yeah I mean like I'm not going to say that Zardoz was a great choice on Sean Connery's part but like know you know he, his is. James Bond films and other things you yeah. know Hunt for a October, or whatever you know yeah. just as an example so having have understood all that my sixth favorite actor of all time is Jimmy Stewart? He of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, my favorite 1930s movie of, of all time of 1930s. <laughs> um, my favorite it's a, it's a Wonderful Life, one of my absolute favorite 40s films. Harvey, your favorite 50s film. Uh, Rear Window, one, my absolute favorite Hitchcock film, and Vertigo, one of the greatest films of all time. You know, he's these are my favorites of Jimmy Stewart, and he brings such, typically such warmth and kindness to his roles, such a an everyman quality to his roles. You find him so relatable endearing you root for him you uh, go along with his struggles whatever they might be he can even make something as odd as what his character does in vertigo something that you're you're like you're hooked you're kind of interested like what is this guy doing it's jimmy stewart so i want to know i have always absolutely loved this guy his screen presence, and I get the sense, you know, he's one of those guys where you, like, you really feel like what you see on screen is is him. That's Jimmy Stewart as a man, you know, and I, I've, I've heard in, uh, you know, hearsay that he's actually quite a different guy. He was kind of a guy's guy and all that sort of stuff in real life, you know, but his persona is such a lovable, likable interesting dude That uh I, I was actually struck and surprised that he landed on number six and not higher because i've always been a huge fan of him but there he, there we are that's jimmy stewart my sixth favorite actor of all time
1: my fifth favorite is john lithgow aha this is one of those men where one of those actors where i, I don't care <sighs> what you're in, Mm. I will watch it for you, whether it's, I will watch the film or I'll go on YouTube and see the best scenes from it to look for you. Like,
0: yeah, just like Denzel.
1: Yeah, just like Denzel. Mm -hmm. So John Lithgow, I completely flip my shit though. Like I'm a fangirl that wants to throw panties at the boy rock band for John (laughs) Lithgow. You know, I know that's really graphic, but it's the same level of excitement and hyperventilation Like if I had to see him at Comic-Con, I would probably just cry because Mm -hmm. he's so amazing to me. He has someone who also has a presence, but his presence is different to Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington kind of has this, I don't know, it's like a grounded, earthy, strong, come to him for Shelter kind of guy. What, Denzel? Denzel. He also has like a
0: cool sexiness too.
1: Well, yes. Inside Man is quite lovely. (laughs) So, but with John Lithgow, it can go either way with him because Mm. John Lithgow has been a bad guy. Yes. John Lithgow has been a good guy. Yes. John Lithgow has been a woman. You know, if you think about uh, the world according to GARP, you think about... Oh, what is it with the sound? Ray, uh, cutting. And, blowout? Yeah. Do you think about blowout? Yeah. John Lithgow can do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, yes, you nailed it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, he just brings me so much joy and happiness and fright and fear. At yeah. the same time, whatever he's doing, bombshell, I wanted to throw up. Yeah. So this man, I think he, I get the sense that he's not afraid to be whatever role he has to be mm-hmm. to get a message or story across. Mm. And I, I think it's just this wonderful, quirky, happy, scary presence that he has, depending on... he's He is the perfect chameleon.
0: Yeah, um, he was definitely someone that I strongly considered for this list and briefly I thought was going to make it because, I mean harry and henderson's blowouts cliffhanger as a villain so many things and you think about
1: beatrice at dinner something you know mm. that not a lot of people know about Mm. but scary as fucking that too in a realistic way okay scary of that time of a specific time with a specific issue going on and then you think of interstellar how kind and calm but also no-nonsense kind of character he is. He's the uh, father-in-law of Matthew McConaughey. I didn't
0: remember him in that, but Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, we got to move on. But, yes, John Lithgow is greatly beloved, uh, almost on my list as well. My number five is fifth favorite actor of all time. You know, it's funny, Shanna, that you, you talk about like Ghostbusters and how, like, you love that movie, but you never consider any of the actors in there. Well, here I have Bill Murray.
1: Oh, good. So he's somewhere.
0: Bill Murray (laughs) ended up being my fifth favorite actor of all time. And that actually is one of my biggest surprises. I did not expect, but when I take a look at the collective career that he's had, Caddyshack, you know, he had a, a supporting role in Tootsie. Ghostbusters, a supporting role in Little Shop of Horrors. Groundhog Day, a supporting role in Ed Wood. And then on top of that, you got his later career, Lost in Translation. You have Mm -hmm. um, an appearance in Zombieland, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's got a great voice for voice acting. I'm surprised he hasn't just transitioned into just doing that you know and then other comedies stripes and what about bob like this guy has an incredible comedic career scrooged another one this guy was an 80s icon and he has successfully transitioned out of that decade and made himself a varied career and stretched himself as an actor that like some of these people i think about it's like wow you know I couldn't help but think this. I know this is morbid a little bit, but I couldn't help but thinking, like, who are the ones that when they die, I'll be really sad. I'll be really struck by And And mm. there's several that have already had that experience. John Candy was a very young one for me. Oh, um, you him. know, in, yeah. in, in the mid-90s. But Bill Murray definitely was one of those uh, when I really took stock of who he is and what he's meant to me and how consistent his presence has been throughout my whole life. Uh, and what his persona is and how great his films are. Yeah, surprisingly, he's up there. Mm-hmm. So my fifth favorite actor of all time, Bill Murray.
1: Okay, my number four is Samuel L. Jackson because I cannot, can not imagine movies mm-hmm. or the world mm-hmm. without this voice and performances mm-hmm. and you you know we were sitting in bed and we were talking about this list and you know we were comparing people like okay but would who would you pick between these two and who would you pick over here and would you pick Morgan Freeman or Samuel L. Jackson and I said Samuel R. Jackson is who I'm going with because his voice and his performances and his delivery of lines and actions mm-hmm. is perfectly passionate and emotional every time. And I, it doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter if we see him or if we only hear him.
0: Or he'll have that restrained rage oh God. too, right? Oh, it's so nice
1: because it's what I'd like to strive for, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> so the rage comes out, it oozes. So, you know, like, and I look at his film career and I'm like, yes, he's in, he's in Glass and, and, and that. Uh-huh. And he's in, you know the marvel stuff and i look at that and i'm like he's a weaver you know he weaves everyone together and Hmm. brings everyone together and if this guy was president or mayor or something man i'd be like right there standing straight up listening to every word he had to say right you know it's like he has this presence of a leader
0: Hmm. he definitely has magnetism for sure yeah
1: and i'm interested he can just look at me and i am (laughs) interested in whatever he wants to breathe or say Mm -hmm. or or express with his body and i think about him you know even him in the incredibles as Mm -hmm. as uh frozone Frozone is just phenomenal i just love him so much Mm -hmm. i'm like i can't imagine the world without his existence
0: yeah no he's also another strong one that was way up there for me uh you know jurassic park as well pulp fiction
1: yeah and you know, again so, like so little many. little roles i'm like mm. i'm like there for you
0: <laughs> yeah yeah right right no uh, awesome awesome yeah my fourth favorite actor of all time mm-hmm. interestingly and surprisingly enough ended up being tom cruise
1: nice tom i cruise. have a love hate with him
0: you know yeah. i i get that i just another example of taking stock of someone's career and realizing, like this, this motherfucker has done so much that has been he so has awesome. He has
1: really hard. You know,
0: say like he is a, also a really prime example of for me of really c- categorizing or what was it, compartmentalizing mm. the person from the work. Yeah. Because like, there's some shady stuff that he has to know about in his personal life. Like that's mm-hmm. fucked up. You know that I I cannot go with, but. As a star, as an actor, as a person, like, mm-hmm. like this guy is undeniable. Was And he cares so much about like the experience for the audience. Mm-hmm. What he will put himself through. What mm-hmm. he will do. You know, like insurance companies won't even touch this guy, right? <laughs> like, it's insane. You know, but you know, is that true? Yeah, I mean, like, oh it's insane. Gosh. Like, his, 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 if he does, like, his premiums have Is got to He's doing
1: what now out of a plane? No. No. Right. We're not covering it, Tom. No. Right. <laughs> right.
0: No, but let me run through, like, yeah. some of his fa- my favorites. Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, one of the first ones that really showed me this guy can act. Uh, Interview with a vampire, which really was the first movie that impressed the hell out of me. I was like, oh, wow, he's not just Pretty Boy. Jerry Maguire. That's
1: McGuire, super creepy. Right? Yeah.
0: Mission Impossible series? Come on. Like, there's only one bad one in there, and he's not the, the thing that's bad magnolia edge of tomorrow oh
1: yeah magnolia and he's just so committed to his character too
0: Mm -hmm. yep and this man so will intense. not stop and he's in his like what mid 50s or something like that mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Shut is a really great if you really great um, exercise for him as an actor and he took really really seriously working with uh, Stanley Kubrick he's really great in that as well you know he's worked with some really extraordinary directors Cameron Crowe uh, PTA Paul Thomas Anderson he's uh, worked with Stanley Kubrick Oliver Stone you know the he list goes on he has a great on, right?
1: filmography absolutely yeah.
0: And you know he can make things like American Made, which did not look interesting at all to me. Actually, really good.
1: Oh yeah, like with the drugs and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. You
0: know, so Tom Cruise, absolutely, hell yeah. His he's a face, his
1: face definitely sells things
0: uh, and more. Absolutely. So yeah, he's my fourth favorite actor of all time.
1: My number three is Jimmy Stewart. It is. Oh my god, this man. You know, after watching. Harvey mm-hmm. I was like oh this man is so special to us all <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's where i fell in love with him that's where that that kindness and str- so his presence is definitely of of absolute and utter kindness understanding and compassion and willingness to listen you know i feel like if i ever met him he would want to hear why you think the way you think and and find something to respect about it you oh. know so i feel like yeah. he's an age that maybe we yearn for or a behavior towards others that i certainly yearn for mm. you know and and wish there was more of out there and so i just i love this man so him and harvey rear window mhm i it's it's just interesting you know i think that's where he kind of yelps and (laughs) you know (laughs) any man that i love when i get to hear them yelp is like oh that's so fun and uh you know you've mentioned him in a few but definitely my favorites are harvey and Mm. rear window Mm. but i will watch anything this man is i watched philadelphia story with carrie grant katherine hepburn and james stewart right and Not a favorite movie, but I liked seeing his face Mm -hmm. in his presence. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a line in the movie Harvey that he says that I've been seriously considering more and more as as the years go on, which is uh, at one point someone's questioning his demeanor. And he says, you know, something I'm going to paraphrase it, probably kill it. He says, you know, I, I could either be happy or I could be right. I chose to be happy yeah you know
1: which makes which can oh, no I could be
0: I could be happier I could be really smart or clever oh yeah and I chose to yeah. I chose to be happy you and know? it's
1: such a, a beautiful I feel like that would be what he would practice every day I, mm-hmm. I believe him wholeheartedly
0: that's awesome Uh, very cool my third favorite actor of all time is Charlie Chaplin
1: oh that's a great choice love
0: I'm not terribly surprised that he made the list because, he, like Jimmy Stewart, he's always been a favorite of mine. I'm going through my blind spots of his career, which you should see a feature in the near future. Say that three times fast. A feature in the near future. Uh, on the <laughs> website, soon about. But uh, The Kid, The Circus, uh, a, a blind spot I recently filled... Uh, City Lights, Modern Times, Limelight. I've always, especially loved Modern Times and Limelight. You to I would. I remember watching Limelight in my late teens, early twenties, and just on the edge of my seat because it's like this guy, this icon of the silent era. You get to see him speak, like in full, like see who he is, and it's also one of his most personal movies because you see him you know what, like maybe 30, less than 30 years away from the end of his life and he's reflecting on his career and his time and he only made like two, three movies after that one or something like that, you know? And he's been very reflective on his career and on his life and it's just such a fascinating watch, you know? And um, I just absolutely adore that movie but he's one of those who his, his comedy... Elevated the genre because his comedy often was about something. It was about society. It was about the form he was so passionate about. It was about something, you know. You often cite... Modern Times is one of your favorites because of a particular scene where he is finally speaking. You finally hear the Tramp speak, but when he does, it's absolute nonsense. And so it's kind of like this, you think he's going to give in to the talky trend Mm -hmm. as it was at that time, right? It's been around for almost 10 years at that point. But instead, he gives you the middle finger and saying, I'm going to speak, but you're not going to understand the goddamn thing I'm saying, right?
1: You're not going to be able to make sense of it. yeah.
0: Right? So... You know, and it's hilarious and he's such a wonderful performer and the things he does just is astonishing and drops my jaw every single time. You think of that time when he's blindly skating around in a mall type setting, a department store setting, and he's so close to death anytime oh you gosh. know, every few seconds yeah. the way he's doing it. It's just Just there's no one like him, he's extraordinary, you know. And Mm -hmm. I love Buster Keaton, his contemporary, and what he does is amazing too. But I just love the social consciousness aspect of Chaplin's work, um, that he infused more often than not. You know, he had the balls to parody Hitler in the middle of World War II, something Mm -hmm. that he mildly regretted, not fully understanding the gravity of the situation, as most people didn't at that time, but still, like that's one daring guy you know he took so many risks and he did so many amazing things love him so that's why he's my third favorite actor of all time jenna what is your second favorite actor of all time
1: it's cary grant
0: no kidding
1: yeah yeah so another golden age actor the uh-huh. second one you know we've recently rewatched his girl friday and, you know, I watched The Philadelphia Story. And he is a pompous asshole. <laughs> In a lot of his films, he is an asshole. Okay. But then there's these films like Holiday, mm. uh, where he's an angel.
0: Oh, you're talking about Bishop's Wife. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Bishop's Wife. Yes. Uh, which one's Holiday?
0: Uh, we I, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. But.
1: Sorry, total brain fart. So, you know, you, you see all his pompousness and sexist crap. Of the time. And then you see The Bishop's Wife, where yeah. there's this tenderness and love, and oh my gosh, I can't believe that that's you. And then you see something like Arsenic and Old Lace, where it's just pure comedy of dealing with a stressful situation mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and trying to push through, even though you're a little weird at times. You know, I love seeing his face. He's so charming. Mm. And I can't imagine films without him. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a look without him I think he influenced a lot of looks and trends Mm -hmm. I just I really like him
0: yeah yeah love him apparently he's your second favorite of all time fantastic my second favorite actor of all time is Tom Hanks
1: oh what a great choice
0: thank you Uh, again it really became about you know just the immensity of his work and the variety of it too. I mean, this guy, he's done comedy and he's done drama. He's most, I feel like nowadays he's most known for his drama, but like, you know, this guy did dragnet. He did big, you know, he, he was hilarious in A League of Their Own, which is a movie that does... Make me cry. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, then he did start taking his dramatic turn in, in Philadelphia. But he also had mm-hmm. the rom coms like Sleepless in Seattle, which I just rewatched not that long ago and absolutely loved. And he's fantastic in it as a single father. He's so sweet and wonderful. Uh, you have Apollo thirteen, uh, Saving Private Ryan, and then there's Catch Me If You Can. Uh, the list goes on with this guy. It's it's crazy. Captain Phillips, Saving Mr. Banks, The Post. He does a lot of, like, based on real stories kind of roles, right? I've noticed he's kind of a go-to for, for that. Uh, and, and, of course, he's, he's Woody, right, in the Toy Story series. And he knows yeah. how to use his voice in, in very dynamic ways. And... Take a character that could have been absolutely unlovable and make him absolutely understandable and lovable.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know? That's a great um, talent. The guy has an incredible amount of range. He's mm-hmm. very he's very rarely a bad guy. I
1: was going to say, has he been a bad he's, guy?
0: He, he has sometimes been an unlikable dude, right? In what? That's, that's one issue with Tom Cruise is he's rarely an unlikable dude. The Road to Perdition. He was. You know, you're
1: saying Tom Cruise.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's one issue with him is he's he's very rarely a, a unlikable dude. But Tom Hanks, I think, if I remember correctly, in, in The Road to Perdition, he wasn't he he wasn't a warm fuzzy daddy. You know, he was a hitman, oh, right? Oh, okay. You know, and I think there's a couple other exper- examples that I can't quite recall off the top of my head. He's an extraordinary actor, and. It's been amazing to see him develop because, mm-hmm. like his film career is as long as my lifetime, pretty much I yeah. think you know since Splash I think, and that was very early eighties uh, film, and, and so I've I've grown up with his entire film career, and he's he's extraordinary. I love him. I he is the everyman. He's the most relatable. He is the Jimmy Stewart of today.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, especially what he emulates and the presence that he that he has. Mm-hmm. He definitely, and then seeing him in "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" Is it that one? Did oh, uh, it a correctly? beautiful day in the Neighborhood. I'm sorry, yes, yeah, thank a beautiful you. day in the neighborhood. Yeah. It, it was just like you just have to hear, "Oh, Tom Hanks is going to play Fred Rogers," and you want to cry because it totally <laughs> makes sense, you know, because he does seem to just have absolute kindness in his eyes. And every fiber.
0: So, Shanna, who is your favorite actor of all time?
1: It's Spencer Tracy. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, Spencer it Tracy. might. It might have something to do with the fact that he reminds me of um, possibly the kindest version of my grandpa. My grandpa was a very mm. angry man, mm. but I think that if he was kinder and more loving and compassionate, I think he could have been. Spencer Tracy. Was your grandpa
0: an alcoholic?
1: Yeah, he was recovering.
0: That's interesting because Spencer Tracy was an alcoholic.
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, sometimes you can see people's or feel people's energy, and I feel like they they had the same print. Mm. So it might have something to do with that. But at the same time... Look, I love this man, and and how he was with Catherine Hepburn too. Mm-hmm. So I love Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I love when you know when he's by himself. It's a mad, mad world. I freaking love that too. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a smaller role, I think, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: y- you know, I just love One seeing him. One of the more him. important ones, though. And I get really excited. I love him in Desk Set. He has to do a lot of backpedaling. And it's just really amusing to watch that. And he's uh, in Father of the Bride. Adam's Rib was really interesting to see him in. And then uh, is it Woman of the Year? Yeah. And then... uh, The first
0: one that he started with Hepburn.
1: Oh, that was their... Was that really their first one? Correct, yeah. Oh, okay. And then Boys Town is probably my favorite of his by himself.
0: Ah. I just... Without Hepburn, you mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I kind of see them as a, a two-for-one deal, you yeah, know? Yeah. I, I love seeing him. I Yeah, there's definitely some subconscious stuff happening there. But <laughs> also, I, I like how he was in in Guess Who's Coming to Deny. like yes. the evolution that he went through. Because I think a lot of adults, while I was a kid during the 90s in South Africa when apartheid was ending and it was this new unknown territory and fear, a lot of adults had to go through an evolution because they had been brainwashed to be racists. And it just, I like how that was illustrated in some sense in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Mm. But I also love how he is in Adam's Rib, how, you know, him and Catherine Hepburn are both lawyers, and Mm -hmm. they're going on the same case, representing different sides, and he goes to extremes to make his point known beyond the courtroom, and I just really like the characters he plays, I guess.
0: Mm. Uh, And yet, we've only scratched the surface, or been able to, the two of us, uh, with Spencer Tracy. And I feel like there's a few others that you've got to really check out of his. That that's amazing. That's fantastic. I never would have thought that he would have been your number 1. I I had a feeling he would be on your list though. So that's really cool. My number 1 favorite actor of all time is your number 2, Cary Grant.
1: Okay, I want to know why he's your favorite. And well, do you see the pompous assholery? Well, I okay. Do?
0: <laughs> so here's the thing: the guy, incredibly handsome dude,
1: yeah, right, yeah,
0: incredibly charismatic dude, one of the most charismatic I've ever seen on screen. Mm-hmm. Okay, the guy was also incredibly talented. He could do slapstick, turn on a dime comedy. Like no other, with bringing up baby and arsenic and old days. Oh, I
1: forgot to mention bringing up baby. Right,
0: yeah. you know. Yeah. And, I love that one. And, and arsenic in particular, like he, his comic timing, and just the way he's able to give a look or a look to the camera or whatever, like the, the beats he gives is hilarious. Just makes the moment even funnier. But also, he could do drama and he could do thrillers. He could be you could believe that he's the guy who's going to. Seduce the woman, or he's got this chemistry be it with Grace Kelly or Deborah Carr or whoever it is, you know. He's one of the best of the Hitchcock leading actors. He just had so much range. And then at the same time, something like his Girl Friday, he's so charismatic and likable that you you have to really stop and really think to realize, oh, he's actually kind of a dick. Well, like what he's up to, this is like and Ju-
1: incredibly manipulative. And this is this would not fly. Right. Like he, today, this is,
0: this is Julia Roberts, my best friend's wedding level of douchery. Right. Like, but he's able. <laughs> I think it's a little worse, but OK. He, he's able to get away with it. So, yeah, I I love Cary Grant. Always have loved Cary Grant since I caught up with things like North by Northwest and bringing up Baby and Arsenech and Old Lace and His Girl Friday. And uh, so he's he's my favorite actor of all time. All right, Shanna. But before we move on. Was there anybody, like, real quick shout-outs that were, like, really painful for you to leave off the list in terms of actors? Look, I love it. Because, I
1: mean,
0: there's so many, right? Yeah,
1: there's a lot. And like I said, I kind of – the way I made this was kind of interesting there's people that I have love-hate relationships with, and I, I'm not always certain why. Mm. So Tom Cruise is one of those, okay. and uh, there was someone else. Uh, but then, like, I felt really heartbroken that I had to take Idris Alba off, and I, I took mm. Daniel Kalua off, and, you know, because I've known Idris Elba since number one Ladies detective agency, you know? Mm-hmm. I knew him before anyone else. So I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and then, you know, I think of people that are brand new, like Daniel Kalua and then... And then I think of John David Washington and I'm like, oh, those guys are so new, but they're so amazing and I don't care Mm. what they're making next, but it's probably gonna be awesome because they have this fantastic presence. And, you know, there's a lot of character actors uh, or TV actors that I can't live without. Like the guy that was in First Cow, he was sweeping dust towards our two heroes. Yeah, I, I love that man. I I love James Spader so much. I mean, I have weird dreams about James Spader. So, Hello. like, you know. And then there's people that that I like because I like how they look in superhero movies. Like, I love John Cleese. No, <gasps> I love that man too. So you see, there's a, 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 who? John Boyega. John Boyega. Yeah. John Boyega. I love John Boyega. I love the guy from Big Sick what is his name
0: a lot yeah. of new people
1: so and then i love christopher lloyd you know yeah. so th- there's people that i i do love but i just i just had to pick someone you uh, know for the right. list
0: i'm gonna be really quick okay. um there's a lot of people that i really thought I was going to be on the list uh didn't quite make it very painful that they didn't <laughs> uh bruce willis you mentioned mm. Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd ended up being actually one mm-hmm. of them. Harrison Ford was probably one of the most painful uh, for to not make on my list. Because I think about, look, Han Solo, <laughs> yeah. Indiana Jones, yeah. you know, The Fugitive. Yes. Like, those alone, having grown up with those things, like, I just, I really thought then he was And the gonna, fact
1: that he comes back
0: well, in Star Wars years oh, later. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So, I really thought that... He, he was going to be on the list. He was a painful one. Mar- Marlon Brando, Alan Rickman, uh, Jeff Daniels oh. was one that I knew I always liked, but I didn't expect him to be so close to being on the list. Um, but he—he's another one that I really—I really love. You know, things like Pleasantville and Speed and Gettysburg. I think is one of his greatest mm. uh, performances. Uh, so many things. So uh, those people were the ones that were like the toughest to cut off the list but there's so many others I mean you mentioned John Lithgow he's another one that was really up there too mm-hmm. uh, uh, Robin Williams I couldn't believe Robin Williams didn't make my list you know uh, so many so many so that's kind of why I'm like maybe I'll just make like a, a feature on the thing you know yeah. and, and feature them so alright we're going long it's a big one for us so let's get in we already spent like a half an hour just on the actors. Let's get into and our the
1: actresses. Are going to get an hour, so buckle <laughs> up, Buttercups. Hopefully not. Here no, we let's, go. Let's try
0: to. Let's Here try to. You know. Well, we're in, in a, a r- in. we're in a rhythm now. So, so, who's your sixth favorite actress of all time?
1: It's Thelma Ritter. And she's usually in small pieces, small parts. She's in All About Eve. She's in Rear Window. So she's the woman that comes in and checks on yeah. Jimmy Stewart every day and tells him what's what, yeah. tells him all her life lessons, you know. And uh, she's also in that one with Marilyn Monroe. I was to say, she's in
0: The Misfits, too. Yeah, right? The Misfits. Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I can't think of another one that, you know, she's very special to me in, but I've only just scratched the surface of what she's in. She's in a lot of
0: stuff. How many credits does she have oh, on IMDb?
1: Golly, what is this? This is 44 credits.
0: Oh, only 44. Okay.
1: But, so so uh, why is she my favorite? She with, Without her tenaciousness and spunk uh-huh. in all these movies, these movies wouldn't be the same. And, like, I know she's a little bit typecast, but I don't give a shit, you know? Like, I want to see Thelma Ritter because she is the voice of reason, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want to see her, and I want to know what she thinks of the story, you know? um i i I don't think i've seen anything yet where she's the main main actress but i don't i'd like i'd watch anything that has her (laughs) i want Ms. mojo to do like uh top 10 our favorite scenes with thelma ritter where she speaks truth and calls you on your bullshit you know right so uh that's that's thelma ritter
0: that is awesome that you gave a shout out to thelma ritter that's such that's I, a would great, get, I would get so excited
1: use, every time she was yeah. in a film.
0: Great use of this platform. Very cool. Because yeah. uh, I, I guarantee not many people listening know who the hell you're talking about. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. They need to check her out. My sixth favorite actress is someone that I had a feeling would make the list somewhere. Um, mildly surprised that she barely made the list. But here we are. Grace Kelly.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you chose her.
0: One of the true screen beauties of all time Uh, very few women have had the presence that she has on screen since Uh, she had a small role in High Noon as Gary Cooper's wife but I love her most for the the Hitchcock movies she did most most especially Rear Window uh, where she's got a little bit of moxie in her too you know she's she's willing to get her hands dirty and, and do what needs to be done to figure to get to the bottom of things. To catch a thief, her charisma with Cary Grant is a spectacular and Dallem for Murder as well. No, she's she's wonderful. I love her and I really am eager to see more of her. I know Mulgombo is a blind spot of mine that often comes up when people talk about Grace Kelly roles and performances, but She is, unfortunately, I think she only had, I don't know, this is going to sound nuts, but I think she had like a 15-year career or something like that before she retired when she married the uh, king of uh, Monaco or something like that. She became princess of Monaco, Princess Grace of Monaco. Oh, yeah. And a mother. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I love Grace Kelly. I just find her absolutely magnetic and cannot deny her presence on screen. And so... I had to acknowledge her. She's my sixth favorite.
1: My number five is Melissa McCarthy. Really? She's that high? I freaking love this woman, and I can't imagine my world without her movies. Wow. I love her in Spy the most and then Ghostbusters. Mm. And this is a woman that I don't care what she makes. I'm going to watch it. Really? Uh, So so you've seen Identity Thief? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen Life of the Party. Okay. I think I watched Tammy, but I'm not sure
0: bridesmaids of course
1: yeah bridesmaids and then you know here's why i love her like she's got such a beautiful presence and humor it doesn't matter if she's in a movie for 10 seconds or the whole thing hmm. she is going to put humor in a comedy in there so the kid with bruce willis yeah she's a waitress in that movie and yeah you think oh this is a film about bruce willis and and the kid actor and okay yay and then i see melissa mccarthy and i'm like what the fuck is she doing in there this is so great and she makes like two or three jokes in like one minute okay you know so i i love her i i will follow her to her death. <laughs> like She's got a couple things coming up. She's going to be Ursula in The Little Mermaid. She's in something called Thunder Force, Super Intelligence. You know, we weren't entirely in love with the kitchen. No. But I loved seeing her on right. screen, you know?
0: Okay, cool. Uh, my fifth favorite actress was a huge surprise to me. I didn't expect her to... to Ranked this high but it sort of made sense when I really thought of it it's Emma Stone she of course had her breakout with EZA and you know had a significant role in Zombieland the year before that and then she really started branching out into drama with Birdman and La La Land and you know, she made an impression on me way back in Superbad where I was like, who's that cool chick? And I was mm-hmm. like, I totally get why Jonah Hill wants to be with okay. that girl. Like, yeah. she's cool. <laughs> like, And you didn't even, like, get a lot of screen time with her. Yeah, there was something up with that girl. And then A solidified it. for sure. Well, I think Zombieland probably solidified it, really. But A was the one where it proved that she could lead a film right and it'd be successful and she could carry it very well and she's hilarious in that in that movie and she's hilarious in any comedy that she shows up like i think she has a small no she's a she has a role in crazy stupid love but she has a small role like in friends with benefits and she's hilarious in 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 that so i think she has a really great screen presence but i think like she's also evolving into a really interesting actress with her disaffected daughter role in in birdman and her wide-eyed song and dance role in la la land you know who kind of gets held back by this relationship with ryan goslin's character um i think she actually just slightly but still outperforms Ryan Gosling mm. in, in La La Land. But she is someone, well, you talk about, like, I'll see this person in anything. She's one of those people who's a selling point in a, in a movie I'll hear about. Not so much in an upcoming Dalmatians movie. I don't necessarily think we need a Cruella, Cruella DeVille movie, even if <laughs> she is Cruella DeVille but
1: I don't know if I want to see those big eyes as someone who wants to slay puppies
0: right exactly so uh, by and large though if, she, if I hear that she's a part of a movie I'm interested in it mm. so Emma Stone is my fifth favorite actress of all time
1: my fourth favorite is Lupita Nyong'o oh really yeah from Black Panther Us uh, the new movie that just got released Black as King it's available on Disney yes Plus, yes yes
0: we gotta catch up with that uh, now, yeah she was also was Queen she of not your favorite actress of the decade?
1: Oh yeah, maybe she was. Yeah, um, she was in Twelve Years a Slave, Queen mm-hmm. of Katwe, Star Wars, and so this comes to like I don't care what form she takes. Yeah. I'm watching what she's doing. Mm. You know, if she's gonna be CG Alien, I don't care. <laughs> if she's gonna be in a horror film. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Well, she's I'm extraordinary watching it. in us. She has this fantastic talent where she can she's just everything. If you've watched us, then you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm. She just emulates everything and she's very adaptable. She can be anything in the matter of seconds in the same film. You know, and whenever she has a specific character, she just has it doesn't matter what character she is, sorry. My mistake. She has absolute commitment Mm. to whatever character she is playing and it's it's every cell of her body you can see it emulating off of her i don't see lupita nongo i see whatever character she is and it Mm. just she just falls away and she's just the vessel and i just i love it so much and lupita nongo has this beautiful children's book silver that is just amazing and so sweet and just makes everything okay. And I just, I love who she is as a person. And I, I would also just, you know, this is kind of like if I met John Lithgow at Comic-Con, if I were to meet Lupita Nyong'o at Comic-Con, I would just be crying like the whole Um, time, the whole time. I would just be a blubbering mess. You'd have to translate for me.
0: That's really sweet. My fourth favorite, we're still on fourth favorite, fourth favorite actress is Rachel McAdams. Uh, Favorite movies of hers, uh, Mean Girls, She's not very likable in that. Red Eye, <laughs> Wedding Crashers, yes. which I'm really looking forward to watching soon again. About Time, Spotlight, Game Night. And hell, she's great in The Notebook also, which came out the same year as Mean Girls. Really helped supercharge her career as um, you know, someone notable. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is about her, but like... Uh, okay so the image comes to mind of her in spotlight when she's interviewing someone right like mm. you really feel like i as thought a, of
1: that immediately too. did you
0: really you really feel like as an actress she's someone who listens to to the other character mm-hmm. right the other person you really feel like she's engaged and in the moment and like really right there and in and, and she really becomes that character. You know, I th- Red Eye is another really good example of how she's able to turn a somewhat sweet, hey, is this going to become a thing kind of situation to, okay, this is getting creepy, to, oh my God, what? I need, and, and reacting to what I'm getting at is how she's re- really in the moment with whoever she's acting with. And she's reacting to what the other person is saying. And I guess that's one great thing about her is you really believe this, this very important element of being an actor is listening. And you really believe that she is in this moment with whatever character she is with and, in, and, and listening and reacting to whatever that character is saying. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I think the, you
1: bring up... A really beautiful point
0: yeah and there's something about her that has always made her engaging and 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 winning and beautiful uh to me and someone who i've always been like oh well if she's in that then i'm very interested you know um i or i really want to see her do that concept like game night was like oh it's a comedy a game night game night gets out of control i want to see her do that i haven't seen her do a comedy in like 10 years or whatever you know because she did dramas for a while so, uh, I yeah, I absolutely love Rachel McAdams. I just absolutely adore her. She's the kind of person I see on screen. i like, ah, yeah. you know. Anyway, so, yeah, she's my fourth favorite actress of all time. Shannon, we're in your top three. Who's your third favorite actress of all time?
1: It's Elizabeth Moss.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Be- taking into account just her film career? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um, okay.
0: Because I know, like, if we no, were doing look, a TV look, list, it would be a different story, right? Look,
1: look, 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 look. I, I I, will watch whatever the woman does. If she does a commercial, I'm going to think she's the best thing since sliced bread or, or, or um, you know, bacon caramel, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, like, this woman is amazing. I mean, she feels like she is a fighter for women acting. She feels like she pushes herself to her limits and then breaks those down and makes new limits. Like, Hmm. she has been in Shirley as Shirley Jackson. She's in The Invisible Man. She's in The Kitchen. She's in Us, if you recall. Yes! She has a small part in Us. The friend there. She's her smell.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. The
1: crazy one, right? That's the crazy one. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, So, which brings me to... Here's the thing. Like... She's somehow, in the in the past decade, been in all these crazy different roles. She has been a, a straight up crazy drug addict. She has been someone who has been uh, abused, domestic uh, domestic violence victim, and uh, comes back from that. She has been a privileged white woman. And then you think about her TV show, things that she's in with TV, and she's just everywhere in everything she could possibly be. And I feel like I don't know anything about her as a person, but I feel like she has this checklist of all the possible, absolutely every possible character she could be, and she's checking them off. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. And I feel like anything she's going to be in or any project she has – I don't give a Continental what it is, but I'm going to go and watch it and I'm going to pay for the movie ticket. I don't care because she just has this vibrational way of acting. Mm. You can feel what she's feeling. And much like Lupita Nyong'o, it's like Elizabeth Moss kind of disappears for a while and we see whoever her character is.
0: Mm. She is definitely a risk taker and very daring, and not someone who's comfortable with playing roles that are of the norm or of certain certain types of female roles. She's she she's she wants to do something different and and um, very challenging, and and I, I I appreciate that about her. That's a very cool pick. My third favorite actress of all time is Catherine Hepburn. Going back to the Golden Age here, I used to think it would be Audrey Hepburn. There was a time where I actually liked Audrey Hepburn more than Catherine Hepburn. They're not related, but I compare the two just because of their names. Yeah. But yeah. it turns out, really, like, I actually feel like Catherine Hepburn has the better body of work and the better range of mm-hmm. acting. Mm hmm. Uh, You know, we've talked about a lot about her work with Spencer Tracy, her comedies that we have seen with Spencer Tracy um, and also, you know, I've mentioned before, Bringing Up Baby, one of my favorite movies of the 30s, but then you have Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Her Twilight Years and On Golden Pond with Henry Fonda. Uh, She is batty at times. She is hilarious at times. Mm. She's Very silly or all over the place, but or she's she can also be very strong, very feminist, or she can also be very warm, Mm. very kind, very maternal, or very, um, I don't know, very loving as a partner. And these are the things I see, um, throughout her career, and I think that made her one of the most interesting and greatest actresses ever yeah there's there's range there she had a whole lifetime on screen uh basically and it's so wonderful to have the privilege of going back and being able to see that lifetime from something as young as she is in bringing a baby to one of her final roles in on golden Pond.
1: it is funny to see her evolve and grow up Mm-hmm. It, it's really lovely I'm glad so, you mentioned that
0: yeah she's my third favorite who's your second favorite actress of all time
1: my second favorite actress of all time is Angela Lansbury
0: really I,
1: I love this woman I think that she's like John Lithgow okay like what I said previously about him mm-hmm. she has these beautiful magnificently warm movies mm-hmm. and then she has these frightening terrifying roles that mm. she's had um, and then, you know, she has her TV moments, too. She has 113 credits. Uh, people would know you've her... you've seen them all. Oh, God, I wish. <sighs> like, we should just binge, like, our top six of each. We Oof. should just binge.
0: Man, that's It would be year. very intense. Yeah.
1: But And then rank the movies.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <You> have <laughs> anyway, some, I, I have so many I had ideas. I have very experience.
1: crazy ideas. Yeah. Anyway. I thought so, I
0: had lofty ideas. Jeez. People
1: would know Angela Lansbury from... The TV show Murder she wrote, of course, but then movie-wise, you would know her as Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. that very warm, comforting voice, and then you'd know her from Bedknobs and Broomsticks as the witch in training, yeah. who t- temporarily takes in kids uh, from London during World War Two. Two, yeah, uh, you know, children were shipped out from the city, and d- she still wants to achieve her dream, So it kind of feels like this forward. Type of thing, mm. and then she's the Dowager Empress in Anastasia, and then have I mentioned the terror that I feel, the Manchurian Candidate, mm. and a couple uh, times. Oh, what? Right now?
0: No, 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 no. Okay, not right now, but in the past, yes, I'm yes. Totally gushing about it. That's one of her most notable roles, absolutely.
1: But man, I when I saw that, I was so terrified of mm. her because yep. I used to think she was just this warmth and. Uh, no-nonsense at times and very to-the-point kind of woman. Mm. Uh, But then I saw that, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking scared, Mm. which is kind of what happened with me and John Lithgow. Mm. So uh, that is Angela Lansbury.
0: Yeah, and also don't forget the court jester, too. You've seen her as... Yeah,
1: not my favorite role, Mm -hmm. but she definitely has extensive work and a variety.
0: Absolutely. My second favorite actress of all time... Uh, actually, was something that became a bit of a surprise during the course of going backwards through time. I didn't realize the extent with which I loved and respected this actress, and that is Elizabeth Taylor.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Yes, I always had some respect for her as as one of the greats of the of the uh, golden age, but you know, as we watched more and more of her movies or I revisited a couple of her movies, I started to realize how bold and daring and ballsy she was. Like, yes, she had Katherine Hepburn as a precursor a little bit, you know, the woman who refused to wear dresses and wore pants, you know, and was feminist in her ways too and kind of, you know, no BS. But I feel like Elizabeth Taylor came along in her adult roles, you know, um, I haven't seen many of her child roles. I haven't seen National Velvet. Uh, she started to become a woman, so to speak, in Father of the Bride as the titular bride, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really movies like Giant in 1956, and and oh, what was the one that we watched uh, with her and Paul Newman, uh, Callan Hot Tin Roof,
1: uh,
0: right? And yeah. and then you also have. Um, Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf in the mid late sixties? And this woman was incredible. Like she, well, and, and yeah, Cleopatra too. Like she, yeah. For the most part, she was very feminist and a little bit ahead of her time. I feel like as this strong female presence who stood up to the men who wasn't going to be. Relegated to the kitchen, or just talking amongst the circles of the women. Just in case of point, giant. She wanted to uh, yeah. get get her hands dirty and be an active part of the household, you know. But then, like at the same time, she was what thirty three or something when she was in *Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf*, and so she had zero vanity about herself. She was willing to. Basically, homely herself up and get middle-aged and play a really ugly character, Uh, not not necessarily physically, but like emotionally and and personality-wise, and get rotten and, and mean, you know. And so, I just thought I have mad respect for her as I go through and take stock of her career. I think she's one of the greats for so many reasons. And on top of it all, like she can really knock him dead in a in a slip or something in movies like Cat on a Hutton Roof of Butterfield Eight. So Alright. <laughs> Who is your absolute number one favorite actress of all time? It's Catherine Hepburn. It is Catherine. It is Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if you go with Tracy Spencer Tracy, and yeah. you don't have, Catherine and I don't have Hepburn, Catherine on the list, I will list. be
1: shocked. <laughs> there will be table flipping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah. I've shared my thoughts on Catherine Hepburn. What what are your thoughts about her?
1: I I love this woman. I, she's just I watch her in all her movies, and I think my favorite. 1 is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Desk Set. In Desk Set, she is so smart and she reminds me of my host grandmother and she just like puts everything together, is able to analyze everything and and just it's just this wealth of information. It's so wonderful to see her in that role. Yeah. Um, and then calling out Spencer Tracy, you know, in that film about replacing people with robots, you know. Or machines, uh, Computers, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then I just love her in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in the way that she fights for her daughter and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, smashes, I don't know if smashes is the right word, but calls out intolerance, calls mm-hmm. out racism. Yeah. There's a particular scene where... Everyone's talking because the daughter's back, and and the daughter is going to uh, has something very important to do at the house, and not everyone in in the circle knows what's going on. And Catherine Hepburn's character works at an art gallery, and this I guess the secretary or receptionist comes over. Okay, there
0: you go. To right.
1: to peep in as to what is going on, and oh, the scandal that will befall this household yeah, kind yeah, of attitude, yeah, yeah. and. You know, the woman comes into the house. Catherine Hepburn quickly realizes what's about to happen. Makes the woman exit and not only makes her exit her home, she actually completely tells her off and essentially... She walks her out. Walks her out, puts her in her car and gives her a long spiel. But the final line of don't say anything, just go Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful way to say just fucking forget it like nothing you can say with your intolerance and racism is is going to be tolerated yeah
0: well she i believe yes that's got to be one of your absolute favorite moments of Catherine hepburn's career because you quoted a lot but like (laughs) i think right before that she also tells the woman go back pick up your last paycheck i don't ever want to see your face again yeah
1: And there's nothing more satisfying than than telling a racist off, you know, in, so, in such a manner. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, her presence is amazing. What a what a beautiful mind, soul, and woman.
0: So, for my absolute favorite actress of all time, uh, in in both of these lists, I was very reluctant. I I see a lot of lists on Instagram and stuff, and. You know, most of the time there's a recency bias I see where most people, they're like fawning over more recent movies, directors, actors, actresses, whatever. And I was very resistant and reluctant. I didn't want to be a list full of just, you know, modern or, or contemporary actors and stuff. And I was resistant to the number one being person being that. But... When I take stock, uh, as I did with many of these people, this could not be really denied. In fact, this actress rose above and beyond all others in terms of favorites in her career. And that actress is Scarlett Johansson.
1: Oh, that's a great pick. I'm so glad that you, you have her there.
0: So... I've been interested and fascinated by Scarlet since, I think, Ghost World as the best friend with Thora Birch, the one who actually grows up and matures and becomes more and more of an adult. Lost in Translation solidified her, in my mind, as one of the top actresses to pay attention to. She did a lot of costume dramas and other things in the aunt Um, but uh, it was it was work with people like Sofia Coppola and Woody Allen and Vicky Cristina Barcelona that I really loved and then this past decade yes she has been in the MCU one of the biggest franchises of all time one of the biggest action series of action movies you could ever name right yes there is something about that but More importantly, she's also done things like her with Mm. Spike Jones or by Spike Jones. She's done marriage story. Like she has been year by year increasing her status as one of the greatest actresses we have living and working today. And I truly believe that because like it takes incredible talent to Take a part like she has in her and make a voice feel just as present, just as nuanced, just as believable, just as lovable in all the things that you get from a person actually being in the movie physically. That is incredible. What's further incredible is what you see her do in Marriage Story. You know, which is a, a role in a performance that is without vanity, mm-hmm. that is with so much nuance. That is another example of someone listening and reacting and reacting, not necessarily always verbally, but reacting physically or, or reacting with a look, you know, just small little things. It tells you exactly what's on that character's mind. She is actually an extraordinary talent that it has been wonderful to see develop and grow year by year over the past 20 plus years. And so that is why, ultimately, I could not deny that Scarlett Johansson is my favorite actress of all time. But what are your favorite actors and actresses of all time, dear listener? Feel free to email us. That, the gifted review at gmail.com. Shannon, before we move on, was there any other actresses that you were just it just pained you to leave <laughs> off the list like we did with the actors? Yeah,
1: yeah, a lot of people. So, Maggie Smith is a big one for me. I, I mm. love her. Okay. And then Amy Adams. Yes, there we go. I just love that woman. I am shocked she's not so on your list. Charlize Theron, Reese Witherspoon, Emma Stone, Marga Robbie, Denai Gira jamie lee curtis rachel mcadams there's probably just so many more i i love Mm. the whole cast from ghostbusters the female one uh sigourney weaver speaking Mm. of which there's just too many out there (laughs) and this is my baby list this is my first list i made so we'll see what happens in the future
0: For me, uh, Amy Adams was a very tough call. Mm. I'm shocked she's not on Mm -hmm, your list. mm -hmm. I kind of figured, okay, well... It
1: was Elizabeth Moss's fault. (laughs) Was it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I, kind of figured, well, okay, she's probably going to be on Shanna's list. (laughs) So she just barely, barely made it off the list. Myrna Loy was a favorite of mine. You know, Best Years of Our Lives, The Thin Man. Those kinds of things. Mr. Bland builds his dream house. Emily Blunt. uh, Zoe Deschanel, who hasn't been in many movies of late, but her work in the aughts was enough mostly to to get her in consideration. Sigourney Weaver. And I am shocked, Shanna. (laughs) Absolutely surprised. Which one? This maybe, again, is a testament to how hard this is. It is hard, yeah. That Laura Dern did not make your list.
1: See, that's the thing. It's so hard. It's, it's so difficult, and... <sighs>
0: <laughs> um, she was one that was you know, a surprising candidate for me, actually. I did not expect that, mm. but uh, I took stock of her career, and yes, she is definitely one that is strongly worth considering as a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those were the probably the most painful mm. for me to to not have on the list. So... Anyway, those are our favorite actors and actresses of all time. Do share with us what yours are. Shanna, before we talk about the next episode, uh, why don't you share with everyone where they can find you online?
1: You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography, underscores in between each word there. And? And it, you can try and see my flick chart.
0: With, try it. <laughs>
1: well, it's not complete, obviously. Spellbinding A.
0: So I'm also on flick chart, the Gibson 99. The main website is thegibsonreview.com. Thanks to French Frank Marketing once again for helping with that website. You'll find all articles, reviews, features, all episodes of The Movie Lovers are on there. All best of lists are on there more or less some got lost to time or in transition unfortunately but uh there's a lot on there to check out so by all means go to thegibsonreview.com to find them there uh we're on facebook the Gibson Review. you'll find some stuff there instagram is where i'm most active uh the gibson 99 on instagram follow us there we have very often some polls on instagram and i think I have a poll updates for you from what you voted on as your favorites and let's see here the latest votes that you have made is from your 1930s list you voted modern times as your favorite 30s movie and from the silent era this poll just ended recently uh, at the time of we're recording this, uh, Sunrise, a Tale, A song of two humans, I believe, by F.W. Murnau, was voted as your favorite silent era film, which really shocked the heck out of me. A nice surprise there. Right now, at the time that we're recording this, which is the 9th of August, there is currently a poll... That may be finished up around the time this hits your ears. I don't know. But um, what you think are our biggest blind spots? What is the most egregious? What is the most essential viewing of our blind spots? Uh, if it's still active, you could check that out. We'll also soon be doing, I think, your favorite actors and actresses on there. So you can actually participate and tell us what your favorite actors and actresses are on the Instagram stories. I think that's about all as far as where you can find me, yeah? Yeah, Shannon's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. All right, so...
1: We're going a bit long, lovey. (laughs) We are a little bit
0: long. Yes, we're very long. This is actually a much bigger topic than I anticipated, but it was a tough topic to discuss our favorite actors and actresses. So... There you have it. The next episode is tentatively.
1: Is that what you are you going that direction?
0: I have to. Okay. The way this year has no, gone. It's just the way you're saying it. It's insane, <laughs> Shannon. I can't I believe know. that this might actually happen. Wow. Tentatively, we oh, are God. going with a main review mm. of the long anticipated. Mm. A lot awaited and much anticipated by us. Often our most looking forward to movie of the year. The New Mutants, reportedly oh, at the time of recording, may actually release at the end of this month.
1: <laughs> it's possible that people will actually be able to see this film.
0: Finally. In theaters, no less. So, if that is actually comes to pass... We'll do our favorite teen movies as our film faves in coordination with it. It's a it's a movie about a group of teenagers who discover their powers. We're going to do teen movies, okay, as our favorites. And, and you can find that probably on Tuesday, September 1. Shortly after that, look out for a bonus episode because tentatively there is a tenant release. Tentatively tenant shortly after and we will be doing a bonus episode reviewing that much anticipated much delayed film as well not as delayed should
1: everything work out
0: right not as delayed as the new mutants though hopefully it does not become as delayed as the new mutants was so that's what you can hope to expect in the future the near future of the movie lovers stay on top of the instagram the the Gibson 99 for updates should that change. Until then, this is Jeff and Shanna saying keep loving the movies and goodbye. Shelly. <laughs> Shelly. Who's Shelly? Let's combine Shanna and Kelly.